light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Welcome, Talk Catholic, the website.com, your host, Tim Kilcoin. No agendas here, just the straight and narrow, through Mary to Jesus, the Catholic faith proclaimed and preserved. Hope to see you here every week. TalkCatholic.com with Tim Kilcoin. It is our Saint of the Month Saturday, and we will be looking at St. Cyprian, Bishop of Carthage, 258 A.D., Yes, a time that is ever so reminiscent of that which we live in today. Ladies and gentlemen, I walked into a little hardware store. There aren't too many of them, are there? Most of them have been taken over by the big conglomerates, which is another reflection of the communist takeover for another show. And I noticed that the devil is getting much bigger in terms of the Halloween options. These gowls and goblins and monsters, and <laughs> they're getting more than life-size. If a manager was there, I absolutely would have objected. Tell them, you know, I'm really tired of being insulted, and especially children coming into this store. We're teaching our children to somehow idolize or make comical evil symbols that can become more than symbols if you attach yourself to them in a spiritual way. And I think we ought to celebrate Hallow's Eve for what it really is. I mean, this is we're talking September now, but, you know, the stuff is out in late August, early August, okay? Uh, they're, they're really making some cash on, on the Halloween evil paraphernalia. And can we finally celebrate Halloween for what it really is? The Feast of All Saints and then following the Feast of All Souls? A most holy time in the liturgical calendar for Christians? And dress up our children as priests, as nuns, as saints, lay or otherwise, and win a soul to Christ in so doing, and make a statement of sanctification for the world's viewing. Celebrate the real thing. Another tradition, ladies and gentlemen, that got hijacked by the evil one. And the wonderful news, ladies and gentlemen, is that by the grace of the airwaves, he is being exposed from every angle right now, which is why he's pushing the hot buttons, no pun intended, or maybe pun intended, that he knows his time is getting shorter. And we will celebrate that day, as somebody once said, the next time the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future, okay? But a little social justice instead of fascination with global warming and ecology. How about social justice at your local supermarket relative to the tabloids that have been insulting our children and ourselves as adults for how many decades now? You know, we just have to speak up and remember how the squeaky wheels got their grease all along in the first place. I mean, our whole judicial system has been turned upside down by a select group of atheistic, angry people. And by the way, if you ever want to see the complete rendition of that exposure, it's in a book called The Supremacist by the great Catholic convert and political activist, just a hero of our time that the media is not going to shine a flashlight on, Phyllis Shafley, where she unveils all the Supreme Court cases that overturned 
Judeo-Christian values, starting especially with prayer out of the public school in 1962, and then no more Bible study after 1963. It's a fascinating book. It really zones in where the origins of this evil came from and how they got control of the power centers, the courts. So what more could select holy ones amongst us do by making your voice heard not only at that ever-important school committee meeting, oh, get there, please get to that school committee meeting, but everywhere you are, Talk Catholic is the name of the show. But I have to give a shout-out to Raymond Arroyo, the great, who's keeping the true spirit of EWTN alive. And you know that I've been doing many shows on the dangers, and this goes months months back on the Synod on Synodality, which I will return to, and uh, believe me, it's only going to heat up in the days ahead as we approach October. But he did a wonderful show with our own locally Catholic faithful Christian, Phil Lawler, longtime journalist and current editor of Catholic World News, and it was excellent relative to the current doublespeak, if we may echo the old novel, 1984, Gobbledygook, the semantic gymnastics of the upcoming Synod. Because of its excessively liberal leadership, which is ever so dastardly in their conniving schemes to get people lulled to sleep into gradual submission, as they follow the pattern of the heretical German bishops over many months now, and should have been excommunicated most likely by now for sure. And it's the usual crickets when it comes to the hard left, but holy smoke, if it's some one of those select rigid types, you know, those who stay faithful, they'll get the full brunt of their ire. But this is a real schism coming up, uh, potentially, and there's an even better video on are We Headed Towards Schism by Taylor Marshall. That's the title of the internet video. Are We Headed Towards Schism? But both of these internet videos are addressing this synod on synodality exactly in the spirit that I have been. Now I'm doing The Springtime That Never Came, the book by Bishop Athanasius Schneider, and he just takes off on the synod and what the inherent dangers of this and the illegitimate theology behind it in the first place. Synod. The word didn't even, it wasn't even part of the documents of Vatican II. And yet all of a sudden, we're a synodal church. All of a sudden, it's not male or female. All of a sudden, we can have women priests, even though it's been infallibly spoken to by St. John Paul II and every pope before him. Smoke and mirrors, ladies and gentlemen, the diabolical disorientation, it's called, prophesied by Our Lady to the children at Fatima. Be aware and keep praying for the warning of Garabandal. Never, never say die. Don't get disheartened. Keep hope alive, but keep your watch on too. Okay, from the website, catholic.org, we'll get a little autobiography, in this case, from the bishop himself, Bishop St. Cyprian of Carthage. My given name is Stasius Cyprianus. I was born in Africa about 200 AD, the son of a rich pagan senator. Now there is a holy man that's willing to call out the sins of his own father. How many of us do this. I was the bishop of Carthage. All my life and work occurred there, known as the priest martyr. I matriculated quickly in an excellent secular education, attending the school of Carthage. I became an orator, rhetoric, and philosophy instructor. I appeared often at court defending townsfolk. I taught rhetoric oratory before I converted to the Christian one holy Catholic and apostolic faith. I assiduously studied scripture and my mentor Tertullian's writings. I spent my parents' wealth as well as the proceeds from banquets 
work. I continually questioned what truth was. Christianity gained my curiosity. At 46, I became a Christian catechumen. Prior to my baptism, I gave my property to the poor. Thus, graced by God, I wrote to my friend Donatus, quote, when the surge of regeneration cleansed my former life in purity, a light steady and bright shone from heaven in my heart, unquote. I was born again, invigorated by the Holy Spirit. God revealed to me mysteries. He made darkness light. I learned that my former living in the flesh for sin belonged to the earthly. Now I began divine living by the Holy Spirit. In God and from God is all our strength. From Him is our might. Through Him we who live on earth receive the hint of a condition of future bliss. The year following my baptism, I was ordained a priest. The faithful unanimously chose me as bishop. In about the year 248, I said unconditionally, yes. Complying with my mentor's request, I was ordained bishop of Carthage. It was the time of the reign of terror and the persecutions of the Roman emperor Decius. The church's welfare proved my first concern, along with the concomitant ridding of vices in the clergy and flock. You can see the deep church, ladies and gentlemen. Judas has always been with us. Hopefully my life caused the observing faithful a desire to imitate my God-given piety, humility, and wisdom with which God graced me. I became known beyond my diocese. Bishops from other areas sought my counsel. But persecution by the Emperor Decius, 249 to 251, revealed to me in a dream, forced me to hide. My life was necessary to my flock. I conducted my life to the strengthening faith and courage among my persecuted. Prior to my leaving, I distributed the church treasury among all the clergy to help the poor. I later sent additional funds. Through letters, epistles to presbyters, confessors, and martyrs, I kept constant touch with Carthaginian Christians. Some in my flock offered the Roman required sacrifices to the false Roman gods. Some congregants said they did when they did not. I was called to mediate the controversy of allowing apostates back into the mystical body of Christ. Church hierarchy required they do penance before readmittance to the church. Weakened by torture, some faithful souls offered sacrifice to pagan gods. Later, these lapsed Christians appealed to confessors for a letter of reconciliation. This intercession certificate accepted the lapsed back to the church. A new schism, break in church unity, arose through the auspices of the former presbyter Novatian. Novatus, a former associate and Carthaginian presbyter, joined the movement. Novatian taught that if Christians repented of their sin, the lapsed Christians during time of persecution could not be readmitted. Both Novatian and Novatus convinced three Italian bishops during the tenure of the lawful Roman bishop Celerinus to place another bishop on the Roman cathedral. Just goes to show you, bishop against bishop, cardinal against cardinal, not a new phenomena. I wrote first a series of circular letters to the African bishops condemning these wrongs. Later, I composed an entire tome on the unity of the church. Ladies and gentlemen, this is significant as we approach the time of this synod upcoming in October, where we could be moving into a time of schism. And, and certain bishops, and along with many heroic priests who will have to stand up for the true Orthodox Catholic Church, St. Athanasius of Alexandria, he got exiled four times because that's exactly what he did up against the terrible heresy called Arianism, that Jesus was only a human. We need to pray now for those heroes. St. Cyprian says, A plague erupted just as the attenuation discord in the Carthage church began. Hundreds died in Carthage. Folks abandoned the sick. The dead were left unburied. 
God graced me by my example and fortitude to personally tend the sick and bury not only Christian but also pagan dead as well. Drought and famine followed and attacks by the barbarian Numidians, they enslaved many of the residents. We petitioned wealthy Carthaginians to develop support methods to feed the starving and to ransom captives. On top of that, Emperor Valerian, 253-259 to AD, ordered new Christian persecutions. Paternus, the Carthaginian proconsul, ordered all the faithful to sacrifice to idols. I refused, remaining silent as to the names and residences of the presbyters, elders of the Carthage Church. I was sent to Corusbizium. Deacon Pontus voluntarily followed me into exile. After arriving, I dreamed a quick martyr's end. I wrote letters and books, but my coming martyrdom at Carthage caused me to return. However, the court freed me until the next year. During that time, Carthaginian Christians bade me farewell and asked me to bless them. In a later trial, I again refused to sacrifice to idols. The court sentenced me to behead. Thanks be to God, I said. All the Christians present said in unified voice, we want to die with them. At the execution, I blessed all present. I gave 25 gold coins to the executioner, then covered my eyes, then lowered my head. I was martyred in 258. AD. Christians crying placed their shawls and veils by me to gather my blood. At nightfall, the faithful took my body and buried me in the private crypt of Procurator Macrovius Canadinius. 500 years later, Charlemagne, Charles the Great, transferred my relics to France. And to fill in a few historical gaps from the website Catholic News Agency, it's a good article on St. Cyprian. His writings are of great importance, it says, especially his treatise on the unity of the Catholic Church, in which he argues that unity is grounded in the authority of the bishop and among the bishops in the primacy of the See of Rome. I have to tell a quick personal anecdotal. I had a book on magisterial authority by a most orthodox faithful priest of the church, Father Chad Ripperger, in hand on the feast of Our Lady's Nativity. And I went back into the sacristy to see a particular priest for a blessing, and I showed him that book. And if I could only describe to you the look on the face, you would understand that much has not changed indeed about the turmoil and the divisiveness that is and has been in our church. And remember, the true church is always holy, just like the priesthood office is always holy. But that doesn't mean the people are. Always keep that in mind so that your faith is never based on people, but based on God himself. In the unity of the Catholic Church, St. Cyprian writes, You cannot have God for your father, if you do not have the church as your mother. God is one, and Christ is one, and his church is one. One is the faith, and one is the people cemented together by harmony into the strong unity of a body. If we are heirs of Christ, let us abide in the peace of Christ. If we are the sons of God, let us be lovers of peace. Well, that tells you what we're supposed to be like. (laughs) Division is not a mark of the church. No, just as there should be no division in your own domestic church. But we know all too often there is. And so we have to apply mercy. Truly, charity must reign. But never, never, never wavering on the oneness and that unity that should reflect the church triumphant in heaven one day. On the other side, we'll take a listen to St. Cyprian's notable quotables. This is WQPH Radio 89.3 FM. As we approach the Feast of St. Therese, October 1st, let us embrace the child within us with this little Celtic lullaby by Kate Power, The Castle of Jamor.
From azquotes.com, we have St. Cyprian telling us, Be constantly committed to prayer or to reading scripture. By praying, you speak to God. In reading, God speaks to you. Sounds pretty elementary, ladies and gentlemen, and yet are we setting aside the time for either? And I'll tell you, as somebody that lives alone, you have to have a regimen, and you have to stick with it. It's so critical. And I will say, it has been said, that over 50% of evangelical congregations are former Catholics. I wonder why. Maybe they wanted to read scripture and they weren't not encouraged to do so. Or how about speak scripture to others openly? Talk Catholic? (laughs) This is a major problem for Catholics. Let's not kid ourselves all baptized and confirmed. We are not good about sharing our faith in the open the open arena, and then what happens? We end up in the arena, the Roman Colosseum of persecution. This is where silence takes us, ladies and gentlemen. So please, you've got to read the scriptures, not to mention the Catechism of the Catholic Church for all of us Catholics, because it's not just you reading and interpreting scripture. Do you know that there's over 45,000 different Christian denominations globally? How does that happen? Because there was no teaching authority. You were your own authority. And that never goes well, which is a good segue to the next quote. There is one God and one Christ and one church and one chair founded on Peter by the word of the Lord. It is not possible to set up another altar or for there to be another priesthood besides that one altar and that one priesthood. Whoever has gathered elsewhere is scattering. If anyone has taken in Marcus Grody's Journey Home show on EWTN over the years, there is a pretty darn consistent pattern of converts to our faith. I would say probably 80%, perhaps 90, would attribute their conversion by looking at the church fathers, those great apostolic writers regarding the Catholic faith in the first few centuries. They looked, in other words, ladies and gentlemen, 
at the origins. You want to find out how something works? You go to the ultimate original source as to how it was put together. It's amazing to me how many non-Catholics have virtually never read a Catholic Church history book. It's almost as if Christianity started in 1517 with Martin Luther. Amazing. What happened for 1,500 years before that? So you got to go to the source. There's only one source. Indeed, it is the Catholic faith. And we just go shy about this because, well, we got to get along, right? We can't be proud of what we believe. How intolerant. And this has been a major problem all through the decades of my life, that's for sure, because virtually nobody ever said with a little bit of enthusiasm that they're a Catholic because it's true. As the apostles would say to Jesus, who do we turn to? Who else to go to? Indeed, that is the Catholic faith in a spirit of educated humility after looking at the sources. The next quote from St. Cyprian, May all Christians be found worthy of either the pure white crown of a holy life or the royal red crown of martyrdom. It was said that St. Maximilian Kolbe in an interior locution was asked, What would you like, one or the other? And he asked for both, a red and white martyrdom. And indeed, he received both. He received the extreme persecution socially of the concentration camp. And prior to that, trying to proclaim God's word through the printing press, and then ultimately leading to his chosen death to save a layman who had family. And it is said, ladies and gentlemen, and at a time of turmoil in the church, may we remind our pastors and those assistants to them. Father, how do you look upon your priesthood? As a white martyrdom or a red one? A legitimate question from the faithful. And do wait for the response, because if they don't look upon their priesthood in either of those two perspectives, then indeed, they're looking at the church and their ministry from the eyes of the world. Like a corporate exec, what do I get out of this? Not about the salvation of souls. And believe me, we have clergy that are of that sort mentally. So God's people can be great leaven to truly remind them of the holy office of priesthood and what it truly entails. And in this particular quote from St. Cyprian, we are reminded as laymen and lay women that we also have the same choice. Do we choose a holy life and receive the verbal criticisms that that might entail? Not might, will. Or do we go the extra mile and die for our faith? If need be, this is not just for the clergy, nor radical Christians, quote-unquote. No, it's for all the baptized. The next quote, persevere in labors that lead to salvation. Always be busy in spiritual actions. In this way, no matter how often the enemy of our souls approaches, no matter how many times he may try to come near us, he'll find our hearts closed and armed against him. Of course, he is referring to the devil. So, spiritual actions, not just prayer. In other words, how active are we in building something for Christ. Now, hopefully, we can find a variety of tasks to do at your local parish. Very important. It doesn't mean that we're all called to the monastic life or the apostolic life of ministry. You know, we're in, most of us are in the world. But can we do something 
that is proactive in rebuilding God's church, whatever it might be. And it could be just putting some sacramentals out there in your backyard, garden statues and taking care of them, that kind of thing. I have a bunch of them. (laughs) And I delight in, uh, I just washed the mildew off the Holy Family statue that I have. And it was edifying. It was just delightful to uh, make Jesus, Mary, and Joseph clean as a whistle for all to see. Little things like that drive the enemy crazy. So imagine, use the imagination and build something for Jesus. The next quote, the Lord withdraws when he is denied, and what is taken by the undeserving does not avail them unto salvation, since the saving grace is turned into ashes and holiness departs. I dare say this is for our times, ladies and gentlemen. Question always arises, how could God do this to us? How about what did we do to God to deserve this? 60-something million abortions over how many decades? Was that price paid all these years? And that's just abortion. Now they're raising the bar to the madness of the woke agenda and redefining marriage. No, this is complete assault on our Lord, which begs my prayer for the warning prophesied at Garabandal as a tremendous act of mercy upon us if it be in God's holy will only. But if we don't get things right, when it's obvious things have gone very wrong, then the chastisement increases. We've been through this before in church history. We don't have to keep spinning this evil wheel. And we will not here at WQPH Radio 89.3 FM. Arise from the slumber, holding our own for Jesus through Mary. And I haven't counted the number of days to Christmas, but time moves pretty briskly at this time of the year. So don't be shy to put something in the stocking a little bit early for WQPH. That door is always open. Have a great week, everyone. Let your light shine. That is what it's all about here at WQPH Radio 89.3 FM. But we need to hear your story. You want your voice to be his voice. That is making the faith known to others. Please My number is 877-625-3727, Tim Kilcoyne, TalkCatholic.com. St. Mother Teresa told us, your ministry is your work right where you are. Grab on to this microphone. God bless.